the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is a couple minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Welcome aboard. Forecast calling for a cloudy evening ahead. Might get a shower, low 70. Kind of cloudy tomorrow. A few showers and thunder showers possible. High 89. Mix the clouds and sun for Sunday. High near 90. Phillies are home tonight against Chicago White Sox. 705 first pitch. Jason Vargas, newly acquired this week, going to be on the mound for the Phillies. We have a really full program today. We're going to jump right into it. Speaking of the Phillies, our first guest of the hour, uh, John Brazier, the director of Fun and Games for the Phillies. Happy Friday, John. Happy Friday to you, Timmy Day. Big weekend at the ballpark, man. It is a huge weekend. It is a Toyota Alumni Weekend, which is always my favorite weekend because you always see people in the past that uh, you know that you worked with for a long time, and uh, it's really great to see everybody, especially since we'll be celebrating uh, not only Bobby Abreu on Saturday night, but we're going to be celebrating the 2009 National League Champion Phillies. How about that? It's going to be a good. It's going to be a lot of people walking around the ballpark. Folks should not be surprised if they catch glimpses of a lot of the greats that they they grew up watching and enjoying. Um, I thought we could just break it down by day for a second. Like tonight, I know there's um, a special theme night T-shirt if, if folks get a certain ticket. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still available, but I had read about that. With uh, has I guess Rollins and Howard and uh, Chase Utley on it. Chase Utley, yeah. It's it's a theme night page that I've talked many times on the pregame show. That it's a great deal in the sense that we do different themes, and this is obviously the 2009 theme with those three superstars. Right. That if you buy tickets through the theme night page on Phillies.com. Um, and there's a limited amount of T-shirts that you can get. So uh, I would definitely check out phillies.com slash theme nights for that. That's tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll plus- have a couple guys in tonight. But really, a lot of guys are coming in Saturday because that is, uh, again, the Toyota Phillies Wall of Fame night. We're uh, inducting Bobby Abreu into the Wall of Fame. Right. So not just Bobby, but we're going to have a lot of other former Wall of Famers at the game. Yeah, well, and on the T-shirt part of it, just for tonight's game specifically, I know that those three, because there are a lot of great Phillies that folks have enjoyed over the years, and everybody's got their favorite. It could be Hamels, could be Victorino. But Ryan Howard, Rollins, and Utley were the three that started all of the playoff games during that five-year run where they won the division title, because like it was 07 to 2011. So they're all important, and they, and they all helped, especially you know when the World Series and get back in, in 2009. But just that's one reason maybe why they're all in that shirt. They represent uh, a lot of core of Philly you know, success in those years. So um, You're definitely right. Uh, so a lot of fun there. And then, again, Saturday's a, the Wall of Fame. But, but the cool thing, too, Timmy, is that uh, Saturday at 6 o'clock, um, if you go out to the yard, uh, which is out in center field, yes, I heard you can about actually this. go see some of the 2009 National League Champion Phillies. And then we did it last year. It was a wild success. Uh, they played a big football ball game, so the chance for fans to go check that out. <laughs> and if folks ever wondered if a ball player stops being competitive, uh, they probably could just watch a wiffle ball game and see that, you know, no matter where they are, they want to succeed and, 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 uh, and win. 
You are exactly right. And just uh, and then at 6.45, it's a very busy day. And at 6.45, yes. if you have tickets for the game, make sure you're in your seats because that's when the festivities will take place. And we're going to have other Wall of Famers, Dick Allen, Bob Boone, Larry Boa, Lefty, Pat Gillick, Kruk, uh, Lieberthal, Luzinski, Maddox, Juan Samuel, Mike Schmidt, and Tony Taylor will all be here, wow. along with other alumni that will be here on Sunday for the, for the big uh, introduction uh, for that is actually Toyota Phillies Alumni Day on Sunday. John Brazier, Director of Fun and Games for the Phillies, our guest for a few minutes here on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. As part of all of this stuff going on at the ballpark, you have the interleague play happening. The Chicago White Sox are in town. And then just as far as the Wall of Fame and the newest member to be, Bobby Abreu, to talk about him for a second. I started covering the team in 97. So that's when you know Jerry Spradlin was coming in every other night. And Kurt Schilling was the main reason you went to see him try and strike out folks. You had Rico Bronia. Scott Rowland. And Scott Rowland, yes. I mean, there were, there were definite bright spots, but they finally started putting together in the O's. And then you had you know Jim Tomey come in for a while, some mild success. And Bobby Abreu was a bright spot. You know, in, in all those years, he could hit for power. He could hit for you know, knocking runs in. He would steal a lot of bases. People forget that part of his game. You know, I guess he wound up leaving just before the whole thing started to take off and, and the championship came. So, uh, but still a player that a lot, a lot of folks appreciate what he did when he was in Philadelphia. I, well, I, I, I think he's still, after all those numbers, I think he's a little bit underrated. You know, he spent nine of his 18 major league seasons with the Phillies. Um, and with the Phillies, he batted over 300. He had a 303 average. He had, I think he had almost 350 doubles. He had close to 200 home runs. He had over 800 RBIs. He had over 250 stolen bases. Right. He had an on-base percentage of, I think, like 416. Yeah, he went to two All-Star games. He won a Gold Glove, a Silver Slugger Award, and he won the, he was the first Philly to ever win the Home Run Derby. Uh, in 2005, so I think he's well-deserved of this honor. That's right, and so if the folks want to be part of that uh, Wall of Fame honor uh, at the ballpark, that's tomorrow night, Saturday night, uh, at it was six thirty. You were saying folks should be in their seats by or six forty-five. Uh, be in their seats by six forty-five. Okay, be and safe. Game is at seven oh five, and then Sunday you mentioned that the Phillies alumni. Uh, there's an autograph and photo opportunity session I had heard about. I'm not sure. Do you know what much what that involves prior to Sunday's game? I do. Phillies players will be signing autographs. Uh, that's eleven thirty to twelve o'clock. Just be on the lookout. I mean, get there early. Okay. Eleven thirty to twelve o'clock. Uh, there'll be alumni autograph and photo opportunities around the ballpark. Okay. Uh, and then we're telling fans to get in your seats at 1230 because that's when, you know, all the, the over two dozen 2009 nationally champion Phillies will be uh, introduced. Pedro is going to be there, which will be very cool. He's going to be throwing out the first pitch. Yes. Pedro Martinez. But, you know, just seeing guys like Raul Abanez, Kyle Kendrick, you know, Brad Lidge, Jamie Moyer, Brett Myers, Matt Stairs. You know, we mentioned the three big guys, Jason Wirth. Uh, Scott Ayer, Chad Durbin, Greg Dobbs. Wow. Guys that contributed, Eric Bruntlett, Clay Condry, you know, Joe Blanton with that big home run. Um, yes. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's excellent. John Brazier, great to talk with you as always. And again, just phillies.com is the best way to kind of get up on all of these different things. But you've given us a good picture to, you know, help people understand what the weekend's all about. There's some other cool things too. Last thing, just to mention, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Phillies Charities has some signed memorabilia from the 2009. Uh, NL champs. So if people wanted to, you know, bid on something or, or, or get involved, maybe an autographed item by Cole Hamels or Charlie Manuel or uh, Chase Utley, whatever, there are going to be opportunities for them. Yeah, they can go on the MLB Ballpark app and they can actually see the items at the First Base Plaza throughout the weekend. That's excellent. Good deal. Well, enjoy your day. You got plenty going on, I know, and we'll see you at the ballpark. All right. Thanks, Timmy D. All right. See you later. Bye bye. All right. John Brazier, director of fun and games for the Philadelphia Phillies, taking time with us on the Tim DeMoss show today. Quick break. We'll continue our program 
Comedian Dave Ebert's going to join us. Also, Wayne Watson, who's at the Ocean City Tabernacle, going to call in. And we have our pun segment as well. Plus, it's National Coloring Book Day. We have some coloring books to give away. We'll tell you about that as well. Coming up in just a moment, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, the Tim DeMoss Show, and it's time for a little check-in with the Midwestern part of our country, the fine state of Illinois. Dave, you say Ebert or Bear or what? Well, to my French friends, we can call it Bear, but uh, naturally speaking, it's Ebert, uh, kind of like a film critic, just without the fame and fortune. Yes, and you've had probably many people ask you if you're related, but I'm not going to ask that question. Because, right, because it's um, probably not. But yeah, it is uh, definitely a popular question. But it's also the easiest way to get people to understand how to pronounce it. Because yes. for five letters, it's been butchered quite a bit in my thirty-seven years. <laughs> and if you're a Sesame Street fan, you could say Ebert like that. So there's lots of ways to exactly. go with it. <laughs> well, we uh, have been doing a program here in Philly for uh, since last fall, actually. And the premise, just so you know what you're getting yourself into, has been along the lines of John 3.16, in the regard that Jesus died for everybody. And so we have a lot of different guests from all walks of life. We have a lot of local guests on. We have some regional and some national guests and from different walks of life. So sports, could be music, uh, could be a pastor, a community leader, whatever it might be. And the goal is to help people with the program. Uh, so it's not just to have a program to have a program. And to that end, thinking through the, that John 3.16 lens, everybody's ma- you know everybody matters. And so I think it's great. You can always find a story with whoever it is. Uh, and when we heard about you, we thought this would be fun to have Dave on. So thanks for carving some time out. Uh, absolutely. And uh, as you're saying, so I know what I'm getting myself into. I did uh, catch up on a few of the podcasts. Podcasts are excellent. Just listened to your other Midwest show uh, a couple of weeks ago when you had Mike Singletary on. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Chicago's Minister of Defense. Yes. Well, I'm glad you, I'm so, glad you liked it. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I also uh, listened to your uh, interview when you had Nathan Cochran from Mercy Me on. Kind of wish I was in Philly to catch that show, because uh, I definitely try to win the tickets so you guys are giving away. <laughs> well, you're allowed. You know, you can go on the website and enter. If you want to fly to Philly, if you win tickets, we won't stop you. Okay, yeah. I, may, I may just enter. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of listeners who live, you know, listen online. You're allowed to win out of the area. Have you been in uh, – in, uh, I default to Chicago because I have family – in that area, my mom was born in Chicago, so I think Chicago. Everyone from Illinois is from Chicago, but that's not true. So, did you grow up in Illinois, or what's your background as far as that goes? I was born in Chicago, and then uh, my dad got sick. He was a Vietnam veteran, and uh, towards the end of the '80s, it really caught up to him. So we went uh, down south where my mom is from, hmm. and so most of my life I spent in Virginia, West Virginia, down there in the south. But uh, uh, you know, kind of a brief. Uh, Close Notes version, I spent uh, a lot of years in the South just not feeling at home, and uh, that fed into a lot of different things, um, and eventually I finally felt God say I needed to go home, and home was Chicago. The reason I came up here to Chicago is Chicago was kind of the American hub for improv, yes. and so my passion is doing improv with a higher purpose, clean comedy and service to God to help grow the kingdom, because... We need good, clean humor 
um, more and more because things are just kind of getting more and more divisive and ugly, especially on social media. So I want to kind of be the tide that fights against all that. That's great. Dave Ebert is our guest. As you mentioned, he's a comedian. He's also done a lot of other things. We can chat about some of that, too, during our chat together. Uh, before I forget, which I won't, but I just thought I'd put it out here now. Folks can find out more about you at the website giftsforglory.com, and it's the number four. So gifts with an S, the number four, and the word glory.com. Maybe that's a good way to springboard into how humor, you know, where it started for you and why you're doing it. Sure. Um, I always used humor growing up. It was always a way to draw attention. And then eventually uh, in high school, I entered into this really deep depression in high school and as a way to prevent people from knowing how I felt and also as a way to maybe help people not feel what I was feeling. I would always use humor to try to lighten the mood. Uh, and over, through years, and uh, much to my many high school teachers' chagrin, I would always have that well-timed joke, that well-timed comment, not to destroy the, the momentum of the class, but just to lighten the mood or to you know kind of change the feeling. Yeah. All through those years and through college and everything, again, it was just a deflection. It was a shield. So people didn't really know what I was going through because there wasn't any like reason for the depression. It was just... Something had taken over in my mind and my spirit. I wasn't in an active relationship with the Lord at that point. And so I spent high school, college, and much of my years after college uh, just really battling and trying to find a reason to go on. And pro wrestling became one of those things where I would use physical humor. I'd use the physical theater of pro wrestling. Wait a minute. It's real, isn't it? I Wait, did you say theater? Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I thought it was it, all real when George, when George the Animal Steel ate the turnbuckle. I thought he was really eating it. You're telling me it's cheese? Well, actually, <laughs> you know, George the Animal Steel, he may have been eating actual turnbuckle. I, I just, <laughs> you know, he, he, he wasn't exactly right because his full-time job was a third-grade teacher. So I think the kids probably drove him to that. Are you serious? That's funny. When he was not wrestling, he was teaching. That's really funny. Well, and so, I mean, that's an interesting, I mean, obviously, you know, wrestling is, is its own thing. It's changed a lot over the years, but you did mm-hmm. that. Uh, and, and also for those just tuning in, we're chatting with Dave Ebert. He's a, a comedian, but he's, as mentioned, he's done a lot of other things, including been a wrestler and also done some radio announcing, radio announcing and all throughout the, this, this journey that you're sharing about kind of having a depression, um, a good chunk of your life, I guess, and maybe in various levels of it, but. And you said you really didn't know why, right? So that might make it even more maddening not to be able to trace it to something. Right. I mean, there were th- different things here and there that w- were bad news, but they were like the typical bad news that you d- deal with growing up. Yeah. So there wasn't like a gross tragedy that spun me into that place. It was literally it's just wiring. It, it's, you know, uh, depression and, and mental illness is something that, that the church doesn't talk enough about because it's kind of one of the, it's an unseen disease. So, uh, we maybe you kind of sweep it under the rug and you know try to put too much pressure on the person to handle it themselves and handle it through prayer. But for me and my experience, I know for a fact that sometimes it can't be helped. It's something that needs to be treated and cared for and and prayed for, obviously. Yeah, sure. And for me, it wasn't just depression. There were uh, it, it was it was I was suicidal for many of those years because. I was constantly trying to figure out a way to get out of the pain. 
So I, I apologize to any parents out there with little ears in the car for you know talking about a heavy subject. Sure, I hope, sure. Uh, you know, hope maybe you can stir some conversations. But I do just want to say that um, you know suicide was a real thing for me, and for all those years that I cursed myself for not being strong enough to take that final step. Looking back, it was obviously it was that still small voice just encouraging me to take one more step, one more breath, and just live one more day. And during that time, as we mentioned, comedy was a way that I shielded people from seeing that struggle. Well, and you mentioned being so a pro that, wrestler the, and, and radio announcing mm-hmm. and all the other things that you did. Did were those things that you that, that that just happened to be what you were doing at the time, or did you actually look to those things maybe as a way of building on the comedy you had in your life and finding finding a you know a path that would be stabilizing in a, you know in a good way? They were all outlets. It was just a way for me to get in front of people, to entertain, to okay. uh, bring some different light and joy in different situations. Like with the pro wrestling, you know, I, I'm six foot three, four hundred pounds. When I was wrestling, I was over five hundred pounds, and it's automatic comedy gold to see somebody that big wrapped in spandex. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for that. So image. I, no, I'm you know, I come out, I dance, I perform, I you know let somebody hit me over the back with a chair. And then, uh, you know, the crowd just enjoyed it. And, you know, the radio announcing, the PA announcing, uh, acting, all that was just an outlet for me to get in front of people and to seek, like, affirmation. Because when a crowd was entertained by something I was doing, in my depressed state, it felt like that's justification for me being here. That's justification for me to continue. You know, that was just the mindset I was at. And here we are all these years later. I'm in Chicago doing improv and performing with a similar purpose, but a much different motivation. My motivation is to grow the kingdom and to tell the story of God through performing and through comedy. And uh, I often tell people that I used to use comedy as a way to hide who I was, but now I'm using it to reveal who he is. Dave Ebert's our guest, comedian from Chicago. We'll take a quick break, continue our chat. Wayne Watson's going to join us, and we'll try and jam in our fun pun segment at the tail end of our broadcast. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 423. 423 in the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com or Continuing our conversation with Dave Ebert. He's a comedian based in Chicago, uh, but also struggled a lot with depression and other uh, challenges over the years. And sharing how God has flipped the things around for you and allowed you to use the comedy that you have for him rather than to cover the pain or to deflect the things and, or keep people from knowing what's going on inside you. Uh, was there a particular you know thing the Lord did or a season that things started to turn around for you that you can point to? Uh, going back to uh, 2012, going into 2013, I was at a real turning point where I was still struggling with the thoughts of ending it, but I was also at the same time, my heart was warming to truly pursuing a relationship with with God. And as 2012 wrapped up, several different things happened. My truck got broken into twice. I got passed over for promotions at work. Um, And just different things were going on that were telling me that I was not in the right place. And I was in West Virginia. There's nothing wrong with West Virginia. It just wasn't where God wanted me. So he finally showed me a path to get to Chicago and showed me that my heart, my wiring, my desires are all for being on stage. 
uh, whether it's entertaining through comedy or whether it's entertaining by playing a bad guy in a play, whatever the case may be, he showed me that that's where I needed to be. And so Chicago is a much more fertile ground for those opportunities. Plus, it's a very fertile ground for reaching people who are not getting the gospel message. They're not getting the light of Christ in their lives because there's just so much darkness. So I can I come up here and you know just really see through Rick Warren's uh, book, The Purpose Driven Life, that my purpose is to use the gifts I've give, I've been given, plus use the experiences that I've had to help reach people and make a difference in people's lives. And so I came up here, I founded a uh, Christian improv group, which many people are kind of thrown aback by, what is Christian improv? Are you just playing Jesus and the disciples the whole time? <laughs> and uh, right. uh, with the other uh, Christian improv, it's clean comedy, much like Whose Line Is It Anyway, Right. but it's accessible for all ages. Good stuff. For those just tuning in, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Our guest is Dave Ebert. He is a, a comedian in Chicago area, and he's been sharing a story and uh, some of the struggles he's had with depression over the years, even suicidal thoughts, but also how the Lord has uh, come into his life in a deeper way and allowed him to use the gifts that he has and desire to be involved with comedy and humor to really further the kingdom and just starting to tap into that now with the well-versed uh, improv that you're talking about there. Share a bit about about that ministry for a moment, and as an example, if folks also wanted to uh, have you come to an event, they, you know, you would fly out of Chicago. You don't have to do everything regionally, right? You want to come to Philly, for example. Someone's listening; they have an event. Absolutely. Okay. You know, the kingdom has no, you know, has no end. So neither do I. I don't. Uh, you know, the Bible says, "Go make disciples to the ends of the earth," but the earth is round, so there is no end. So I would love to come to Philly, come out to the East Coast, where in you know, just bring comedy. And we founded Well-Versed Comedy in 2013, just clean comedy. It's not preachy. It's not in your face. It's just enjoying what makes humans human and just laughing together. Because when you get a group of people that laugh together, they've bonded. So you get a room of 50 strangers together, 100 strangers together, but they laugh at the same thing. And they laugh at something that's, uh, you know, it's Philippians uh, 4.8 says it's pure and beautiful and excellent and just laughing at what makes us all common. And suddenly they've all bonded, and there's nobody that feels alone in that room. And so that could either be used as, you know, an opportunity to preach the gospel, or simply let the Holy Spirit work through the room, because now people have had walls come down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what well-versed comedy is all about. Tell us for a second about, about your craft, too. I always think it's interesting to talk about, you know, humor. When I think of it, there, there are a lot of different ways you could take it. It could be someone who's just quick-witted, could be dry wit, could be the delivery, a sense of timing, and or uh, someone who just is really, uh, I guess they say this stuff is funny because it's part, there's a grain of truth in it. That's why it resonates with people. Mm -hmm. But so I don't know, what, what kind of uh, comedy have you done over the years? And or, you know, where do you think, where do you tend to think about comedy and what makes something funny or humorous? Sure. Uh, for myself personally, uh, my improv uh, was meant, was developed through uh, eight years of pro wrestling because Pro wrestling and improv are very similar in that you're kind of given a scenario, but then you feed off the audience and you feed off your scene partner or your wrestling opponent in uh, in the ring. And wrestling is theater in the round, so you got to play to all sides. Improv, you got to make sure you're playing to your audience so they know and hear everything. And as far as uh, what makes things funny, most things that are, are funny that what we do with clean comedy are things that you recognize 
in our characters. You either recognize them as somebody you know, or you recognize them as you know the the silly things that you've done personally. Yeah. And for me, as far as like the wit and everything required for improv, a lot of that was developed during those years of depression where I was trying to make sure that no one saw how I really felt. Hmm. And then when I moved to Chicago, there wasn't a Christian improv scene. So I dove into the world uh, of, you know, secular improv. And in secular improv, there's a lot more blue humor, adult humor, adult language. And so I would have to think twice as fast to make sure that I didn't violate my faith and my relationship with the Lord while I'm on stage, but at the same time, still support my scene partners. Because even though we don't have the same faith, my job on stage is to support them and make them look good. Yeah. So I had that gift of being able to develop a quicker mind to be able to make sure that I don't violate who I am, but I also support and protect the other people on stage with me. And so that's where my wit and my improv comes from is wrestling and then you know, wrestling for the faith on stage where I never curse, I never go, you know, with the blue humor right. or the innuendo or the things like that. Right. Which takes a lot more work than I think people realize. Probably, you know, you you don't have a, have those other things to cheap I guess it's cheap humor, but people do it and it fills space and uh you have to fill it with clean words and clean things and, and uh that takes more creativity, I would think. It with, does and you know, uh, that's probably why the Lord gifted me with a huge head <laughs> to store all that brain processing. <laughs> well, and I, in my setup of my question there, I, I omitted the concept of physical humor, too. The Three Stooges come to mind, and some people completely get it. My kids love the Three Stooges, my daughters included. But, you know, Jen, a lot of times people look at it like, what is that? I don't think that's funny at all. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, then. So... <laughs> Dave Ebert been our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL. Folks want to look you up and get more info and everything associated with your uh, work. What's a good way to do it? Sure. Um, they can uh, contact me um, through the website, giftsforglory.com. There's also a Gifts for Glory podcast. Uh, where I do very similar to what you're doing is, is bring on people that are doing uh, interesting things to help grow the kingdom, to reach people, and to try to make an improvement in this world so that people can get exposed to what's in the, the next world and the next life to come. We, uh, uh, we interviewed uh, comedians, musicians. Uh, I interviewed a gentleman from Florida, Mark King, who owns a basketball team that's using that as his ministry. Hmm. And so giftsforglory.com kind of has everything there. And anybody that needs to reach out, whether it's for booking, for speaking, for improv, or you know, on a more personal level, if you're somebody that's struggling like I did with depression, my direct email comes directly to my phone. If you need to talk to somebody, Dave at giftsforglory.com. I don't care to give it out nationally because if one person emails me that needs to talk to somebody about that darkness and that pain, then it's worth it. So Dave at giftsforglory.com. My personal email comes directly to my phone. So if you are struggling with depression, uh, with suicidal thoughts, Reach out. It's okay to ask for help. It's never a bad thing to ask for help when you're in that place. Yeah, and folks, just as a small note, it's the number four in there. So Dave at Gifts with an S, the number four, glory.com. And uh, we have the pod, we'll have the podcast of this on our site, you know, an hour or so after the program's done today. So folks can look for it there and reference it and all that and share it and everything. So it's great to make your acquaintance and uh, hopefully we get a chance to do it again sometime. And go Cubs, go White Sox. What do you think? 
Well, Cubs are, are trying to hang in there, but I know that uh, that you guys are still trying to crawl back in there uh, with uh, the Phillies. And, <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, it's still a sore spot to see Jake Arrieta in, in that red uh, pinstripe, but you know what? Yeah. Well, he, Happy he's, for him. It, he's got that bone spur thing going. He's been having some trouble lately. and see if he can fight his way through it. Or we'll see. And White Sox are in town this weekend. so Okay. Uh, the rare interleague opportunity to see them. Uh, well, you mentioned, I guess you were from the south side of Chicago, so I wasn't sure officially because I know some folks that these days, like, it's okay if either Chicago team wins and some folks stick more to one versus the other. So, uh, and I shouldn't yeah. assume that you're my, a Spurs fan. But... Di- my house is divided. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm a north sider. My wife is a south sider. Uh, so, interleague play, I usually end up in the living room. <laughs> How about the cats? What are, who are they for? <laughs> as long as you feed them, they're all right. Yeah, the the, the cats uh, they're mostly for um, the Braves, I think. <laughs> I, I don't you're... know why, but <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the Cubs, like you take credit for. Yeah, they're the Cubs fans, so that's funny. Oh no, I, I don't own the cats. They're my wife's. Uh, they came with a package, so okay. they're hers all the way. All right, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> well, God bless you. Keep up the good work. It really, I think, uh, if I if I have my facts straight, you know, the heart that you have for this is to to do what you do well. To, to seek to you know, excel in your craft and just doing that in a clean way can really go a long way toward uh, planting some seeds with folks and having good relationships to open up more conversations. Am I correct? And that's kind of how you're, you're approaching the, the well-versed improv. Absolutely. Um, I believe we serve an excellent God. So Christians can do creative things with excellence and not fear a loss of quality because we do it in a clean way that honors God. Yeah, it's true. I've actually had people say they like listening, and they'll even say, I don't even believe what you believe. I'm not a Christian or anything, but it's clean, and I can let my kids listen to it because there's so it's so hard to find that you know, on radio stations these days. If they like mm-hmm. to have a place they feel like I can turn it on and I don't have to worry what's coming through the radio. Exactly. Just, just on that level. So, Well, great, Dave. Thanks again for taking time. Dave Ebert been our guest uh, from uh, Chicago, the Chicago area. And uh, you can find them online again. A couple of websites, giftsforglory.com with the number four in there, or wellversedcomedy.com. Have a great rest of your day, my friend. You as well, sir. Thank you so much for having us on. Absolutely. That's Dave Ebert. Quick break coming up here. Uh, speaking of sports, the Phils and Cubs, or White Sox again, they're 7.05 tonight. Jason Vargas on the mound for the Phils, newly acquired forecast for the evening. On the cloudy side, maybe a quick shower, but they should be able to get the game in. 70 for the low tonight. Kind of cloudy tomorrow. A few showers and thunder showers likely. 89 the high, Sunday, mix of clouds and sun, high 90. After our break, we're welcoming aboard another fine guest to this wonderful afternoon show. Talking Wayne Watson, he's in concert, the Ocean City Tabernacle, free this coming Sunday night, octabernacle.org. For more details on that, it's part of WFIL's summer speaker series and uh, the concert series going on there as well. So check out that uh, info at octabernacle.org. Wayne Watson joins us next, WFIL. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com, it's 438, Tim DeMoss Show. It's coming Sunday. Sometimes I feel I can walk on guy, Wayne Watson, Ocean City Tabernacle, one of those fun songs called Rock Steady, Sunday 
we are privileged now to bring him on our program. One and only Wayne Watson. Hello, sir. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. Good. We're glad I'm to- sitting out in front of the uh, Museum of Natural History, right by Central Park, watching the people go by. My wife and my little boy are inside looking at bones or something. <laughs> so. And so are you, just they have skin on. Yes, yes. They have no idea what their future holds. <laughs> All bones. Wow. That's great. Well, we're excited. You're in town already, gearing up for Sunday night. Yes. Got here Wednesday, and we've just kind of seen the sights and shown the little guy around town. And uh, we're going to grab a car in the morning and uh, head to the Jersey Shore. Can't wait. Yeah. a long time. I've been there. Now, tell me something. Has the tabernacle been rebuilt? Because I saw pictures of it. And it didn't look like it used to look, or is it the same place? Well, it's the same location, to my knowledge. I haven't been there in a number of years, uh, but it's okay. 100, 140 years now, I think, they're celebrating. And right. I'm guessing they've done a couple of renovations along the way, at least, you know, fixed a couple of pipes or stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. They got some asbestos, uh, put in some, yeah, yeah. electrical wiring and stuff. Well, I looked at the front picture, uh, the picture of the outside in the front, and it's been a long time since I was here. Yeah, I remember very well being in Ocean City. It's very, very nice. It's a nice, it's a, you know, it's a nice opportunity concert-wise. A good backdrop as far as being able to enjoy the the smell of the surf and and be around. Yeah. You know, so yeah. A friend of mine. I was on a trip with uh, Kathy Tricoli and her gang yeah. back in January, and her her managers from uh, New Jersey, and she said she sent me a list of you have to do this, you have to do that. And some, you know, a cheesesteak from some particular place. I'm yeah. sure there's a, a turf war over which is the best, but I, I'll, I'll uh, just eat whatever I find. Well, you've done well <laughs> to give yourself a few days to, to take it all in and not just in and out. So that, yeah, that's yeah. great. We're chatting with Wayne Watson. It's the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Wayne's going to be in concert this coming Sunday night at the Ocean City Tabernacle, Ocean City, New Jersey. You can find out more simply at octabernacle.org. And so when you do these, when you finally get there, you've had your cheesesteak, you've, you've taken in the sights and sounds, and now you're getting ready for the uh, the evening. What's important to you? Like, how do you approach it? Is it very informal? Is it more, you know, rehearsed? How do you, how do you, it sounds like it's going to be informal and in a good, a good down to earth kind of time. No, it's way informal. I have sort of an idea of what songs to play, but to be honest with you, there, there are times where I throw the whole thing out. And uh, when I come out and, and or even watching people or meeting people beforehand, if I get an idea or, or just, you know, one thing I love about being a, a believer and walking with Christ is that if you get out of this noise, and in this actual place I am right now, it's very noisy, but when you get into a quiet place, you can hear the Lord whisper to you, you can hear the Holy Spirit kind of move you. There's some things you need to change. You know, you get an agenda and you think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Sometimes I think God just laughs and goes, oh, really? Watch this. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I have a sort of a set list of songs I like to do every night, but I'm always open to changing it. I've never been able to take requests because it's, at this point in my uh, work, the set list is pretty long, yes. and I don't remember everything. I, I was going to ask you that. You've won 946 Dove Awards and all that, so by now at 312 albums, it's like... Uh, that was on my second album, track seven. Yeah, yeah. I was twenty-four 
yeah, yeah. Uh, no clue. I be- it's uh, funny. I, people don't remember that, but just because you recorded it one time doesn't mean you sing it all the time or play it all the <laughs> that's time. Right. That's right. Well, uh, the pastor over at OC Tabernacle asked me about a song. I'm like, I haven't done that in 20 years, but I'm going to try to at least pull out a chorus to make you happy. Yeah, chat with Wayne Watson. Uh, I kid about the Dove Awards in terms of the volume, of course, but you have won a dozen or so, and you've won a number of different kinds, like Male Vocalist of the Year and Song of the Year. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see uh, all of those things over the years, although I'm sure that's not why you do it, but it's, it's nice to see, I'm sure. And uh, being inducted in the Christian Music Hall of Fame a few years back, I guess in the early oh, was 2011. So that's pretty cool, right. too. And that's fun for you, I'm guessing. Yeah, yes, it is. Where I came from, Small town, uh, North Louisiana. I, I say this with all respect to them, and it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But I just didn't dream very big. I never dreamed I would spend my life doing this. Matter of fact, I remember a time when I was really interested in music and wanted to pursue music as a career, either as a teacher or a worship pastor of some kind. And and I remember thinking it would be so cool to watch a recording session just to go in and watch. And I remember sitting there watching my first session and thinking, well, this is it. This is what I wanted. And I've spent a good bit of my life in the studio. And uh, just kind of overwhelms me when I look back at all the things, uh, uh, all the blessings. Wayne Watson, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. He's in concert this coming Sunday night at the Ocean City Tabernacle in Ocean City, New Jersey. Details at octabernacle.org. One of the things I understand is at one point you were into baseball and thought that might be a path you would take. Oh, still, still into baseball. <laughs> I've got my Houston Astros baseball cap on right now. And as of a few years ago, you know, the Astros switched from National League to, to American League. And so here in the land of the Yankees, and I've seen a lot of Red Sox fans, I think they're playing tonight. I think the Red Sox and Yankees are playing here in uh, the Bronx tonight. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a ball player, but out of high school, I waited. Maybe tipping the scales at about a buck thirty-five, soaking wet, and uh, went to college and thought I could walk on and play. And I was surrounded by giants yeah. and uh, you know weight programs and weightlifters and all this. So the music bug pulled me the other direction, and I think it was probably a good decision. Well, back in the day, you know, stealing bases if that's where your forte was, or if you were a smaller guy but you had speed, at least you could make a yeah. living. But the, that, that's kind of gone the way of the. Of the dodo or whatever, as they say, because well, uh, home yeah, runs is the I, thing I now. Well, I wasn't fast either. I was just small. <laughs> so I, I, I was a pretty good. I was a pretty good hitter. I hit like three eighty something my senior high school. Uh, but yeah, our little guy on Houston team uh, named Jose Altuve plays second base. I think he, he's about five six or right. something like that. Right, uh, Altuve's great. Hit, oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's amazing. And, what I love about our little team is, is our little team. Our team in Houston, they seem to have fun. They play like little boys. You know, they, they really enjoy the game. Uh, my little five-year-old played summer ball, and uh, just the smiles on their faces, just joyful. It's just great. Yeah, it really is. And I, I try to, you know, I say this every now and again because I, I part-time have you know, covered the Phillies for the last 20 years or so. And okay. It, and so we yeah. have a lot of we'll have players on once in a while, you know, and all that. But, um, in fact, the plan to be at the game tonight, they have a big alumni weekend. So a lot of the Phillies are in town this weekend. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but the notion that it's fun, like um, it's even with the World Series, it's called Game 7. Even the most important one of the whole year is still called Game 7. It's not, game seven. you know, <laughs> it's just Game 7. So, just relax. 
Yeah, relax, enjoy. Wayne Watson's our guest, checking in from Manhattan, getting ready for the Ocean City Tabernacle free concert this coming Sunday night. OCTabernacle.org for details. One of the classic songs he has done over the years is this one. We'll just give you a little snippet of it as we head to our final break. We'll come back with Wayne on the other side. This is Somewhere in the World, WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 449, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. We have Wayne Watson, our guest. He's going to be at the Ocean City Tabernacle. Free concert this coming Sunday night, OCTabernacle.org for details. Um, and just talking through some of the music, we played watercolor ponies going into, um, or somewhere in the world, I should say, going into the break. And now, watercolor ponies. I'm guessing when you do your concerts, you've got a certain, you know, certain amount of songs you kind of got to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got those, those uh, always in the set. Yeah. So for folks again, newer, you know, maybe familiar with your music, but maybe not all of it. There's there's watercolor ponies from the early days, or somewhere in the world. There's um, Friend of a Wounded Heart, When God's People Pray, Home Free was the most played song on Christian radio in 91. And then in more recent times, I know there was a song we used to play, Rock Steady and Field of Souls. So there's a lot of the stuff that you've done over the years. Are, are any of the songs, even after all these years, specifically when you're even performing them, that still kind of gets you, uh, you know, right between the eyes? Like, you remember why you wrote it or and you feel you feel it all over again? Yeah, yeah, I... This particular weekend, Home Free is uh, kind of at the front of my heart. Uh, I lost a, a niece uh, two weeks ago. Wow. Um, 42 years old. And uh, she and her husband were driving, and he looked over, and she slumped over and was gone. No wow. no warning, no illness, no terror, no pain. Just keeled over and was gone. And... Uh, when I stop and think about stuff like that, I'm, I'm watching all these people walking by, and they've got their plans, and they've got their their agendas, and you just never know. You just never, ever know. Um, I, I passed by a sign on the way to the airport in, in uh, Houston the other day, and it said 1,630-some-odd people died on Texas highways this year. And I thought, not one of them left home and go, okay, this is it. Uh, been great being with you. I'll see you later. They were living their lives, and, you know, God's plans are not ours. And uh, the, the peace and the contentment of life, I think, comes from just allowing Him to to hold you and, and, and just trust Him with it. Home Free was written in 91 about a friend who had died of leukemia after a very long battle. But uh, it just reminds me this is not the end. All of the good stuff, all of the stuff that's not so good, it's, the story's not over walking around the streets of New York or Jersey or Philly or wherever you are. Amen. As you're talking there, I'm thinking that I'm sure you've heard tons of stories over the years, how that song, that single song has been used yeah. to be a blessing. So, yeah, yeah, I have wow. very thankful for that. Wayne Watson, kind enough to take a few minutes out of his park bench afternoon in uh, Manhattan. This is a great part of New York. It's a lot of fun. It's very vibrant. I, I, I love being in New York. I wouldn't want to live there. I think it's a little too much for me, but I like, knowing that I can go and then go away. It's like having grandkids probably. I, 
I agree. Get to enjoy them and then give them back. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Yeah. Got you it. you played some music, by the way. I mean, for, for folks to understand, you're not just a vocalist. You play the keyboard well. And uh, I'm just thinking, because I played piano for like seven years when I was a kid, but I only really practiced for about two of the years. I was always like crash practicing for the, for the right. uh, whatever. Right. What was it like for you, just out of curiosity, from a, a musical standpoint? Did you love it or did you have to like fight through and, and be disciplined and practice and all that? Oh, no. I loved it from the beginning. My mom was a church organist, pianist. I never let her know how cool I thought it was, but that's what kind of drew me in. Hmm. Uh, guitar was my first instrument. Uh, piano I kind of picked up in college and never really took a lot of lessons on either one. Just kind of spent a lot of time alone figuring things out and trying to find a style. But the concert evening is uh, just all guitar or piano. It's, it's not a band this weekend, and it's you know not recorded music. And it's it's very intimate, and I just like the presentation of the live, the live thing a whole lot. It should be a lot of fun. And, and looking at your whole life, I'm looking through all your album covers. You're going from the clean cut to the mullet to the five o'clock shadow. <laughs> you, it must be a lot of fun. You look back and see God's dunk. I mean, even I I had the CD "Sing Me to Sleep, Daddy" because my firstborn it was born 1998, and we used to play that okay. CD going to bed every you know many of the nights. And then, Aww. yeah, so, and there was the children's music album of the year that year that our son was born, as it turns out. Yeah. You, you had a song, that you, your song was on there, right? One I, of the many songs. I, I did. Um, I can't, well, I, you know what? Uh, it's like you're saying, there's so many albums <laughs> so long ago, I can't remember exactly what the song was. Uh, but it, I think I sang it from a perspective of a father with a little girl, which I wouldn't know nothing about, wouldn't know what to start, how to start. <laughs> Always been around boys, uh, but yeah, little little kid songs. Uh, there, you know, and since then there've been a ton of others been been great that came along. Butterfly Kisses was huge, and and uh, but people still write me about watercolor ponies and about uh, somewhere in the world all the time. Yeah, and I, I I thought it was the title track, "Sing Me to Sleep, Daddy." Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. And then you yes. com- you compare and contrast that with the the Houston Texans song. That you did, <laughs> so you've been so all over. You know, it's oh a, my gosh, man! You you've been digging down deep to get this information. Well, man. you know, you never know what's going to pop up when you look around. I that's yeah, awesome. that's like was that like a fight oh. song for them, or, or how did you connect yeah, with the Texans? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, but you know, I lived there, and uh, they were. I, I guess they were doing well that year. I don't know. One of their few years they've done very well. But uh, I just had a wild hair. Went in there in the studio and cranked it up. And before I knew it, I had a little song. And I actually took the track to my church and had the kids' choir sing sing part of the track. So, yeah, it was just a fun little thing. Some of the local radio stations picked it up and played it. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Well, I don't have, I don't have the time to do that kind of stuff much anymore right now, but it's okay. Maybe in, come back. Maybe in concert. No, I'm kidding. So well, yeah, you do what you yeah. want. It's your you know it's your concert. You can you can do what you like. Yeah. I will say That's this: what is, I like about playing live. I don't I don't have to cue bands and here I'm going to do this song or that song. That's great. That's great. Well, and I just want to say, uh, as a way, I think I can tell, uh, going through all the different songs you've had whether they're up-tempo or, or, or slower ballads or whatever, that it, it appears, as I've listened over the years, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've, I've interviewed before, you before, but it's been 15 or 20 years, actually. Um, okay. That you feel, that if I get a sense that, you know, you really do love the Lord, and, and when you are doing that, when you're walking with Him, it, don't be surprised to see 
it manifests itself in many different ways as opposed to I'm Wayne Watson. I, I want to do music. I want to do albums. I want to have a career. I got to have a certain sound and all my things are this, basically the same. It, you can tell there's a, there's a, Hey, God took me over here for a while. They took me over here and did right. this, you know? So right. am I right? Yes. I don't want to stay still. Uh, I never have had an agenda as far as uh, a career plan. Like I said, I didn't dream this big. I really just, uh, I just want to do what I'm here to do. You know, I, even people who talk about the ministry of it. I've been reluctant to claim that this, uh, if any ministry takes place, it's, it's that God does it. It's not magical in the music. It's just that God uses it. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. Amen. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and evening. Thanks for taking time, and folks can enjoy you. There's a free concert this coming Sunday night at the Ocean City Tabernacle. Starts, I think, at 7 o'clock, and octabernacle.org is where folks can get more info. Very good. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Tim. Good to talk to you. You too. Wayne Watson on our program. He's won four billion Dove Awards and a thousand million number one songs. Wow. Yes, and he took time with us, Joe. Uh, that was sweet. The it only... was nice talking to him. Yeah. I, I got to talk to him for just a couple of minutes. Yeah, isn't it, it's a great moment. The only downside is we only have about a minute for our pun segment. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. First of all, I'd like to tell you that I can't find the mouse. Here we go. <laughs> Do you know where robots go for fun, Joe? No. They go to the circuits. What happened when the semicolon broke grammar laws? He was given two consecutive sentences. <laughs> Why do math teachers make good dancers? Because they have algorithm. By the way, my math teacher once called me average. How mean. Mean, you know, mean means average. Why do the French eat snails, Joe? Because they don't like fast food. Pick one! I used to work as a lumberjack in the woods, but I couldn't hack it, so they gave me the axe. And on that note, Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.